Hello and welcome back to Cast the Pods here, Witcher. I'm your co-host Dom. I'm your co-host Aaron. I'm Max. And today we're discussing Season 1, Episode 5 of the Netflix series, Bottled Appetites. So, Mags, would you like to take us away? Well, yeah. Can, as like the first observation, it kind of, on a minor level, it annoys me that they called this Bottled Appetites when they could have just called it The Last Wish. Like, it's based on The Last Wish. It's the short story The Last they Wish. They really go out of their way to, like, name it something different from the short story that it's based on. And sometimes I just go like, I don't see why. Why? <laughs> why? <are you> doing <laughs> <this>? <laughs> it seems like an excessive like level of you know adding a little bit of adding like just a little bit of something that like just will... jabbing the fans in the ribs. Yeah, it's it it really is just like just like refusing to give the fans what they want by naming the episode after <laughs> the short story. <laughs> Well, I mean, maybe they didn't want people to be able to look at the episode list and be able to figure out which one was going to be which short story. That's actually a very good idea. I figured it out anyway the moment they looked at the episode list. (laughs) But that's a fair point for, I guess, folk who are less um, anally retentive about the details than we are. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, I'm fine with it. I think it thematically is quite good um a name for the kinds of things that are happening in this episode i mean the bottled thing that gives us the 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 gin um that's true and also there is like this episode is just almost entirely about hunger and thirst in a non-literal sense um so bottled appetite sounds pretty accurate as a as a name that's fair I'll, i'll concede the point I mean, it is also about first in a literal sense. At one point, when when Yennefer, oh yeah, of course. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> such thirsty. Anyway, uh, yeah. Um, to cut us in, it's uh, you start with the sort of two spooky-looking corvids, and what like I, you know, you assume is a sort of a very beautiful Adonis of a man, just sort of posing around and like. Like, I describe it as a bit Buffalo Bill. Um, you know, there's <laughs> nondescript bits of flesh and jars, and he's posing around, and you half expect him to, you know, kind of look at the mirror and go, would you fuck me? Um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's all quite spooky and ominous. I like, you assume he's a sorcerer until um, the winged knight turns up. And it, there's a weird sort of sense of sexual attention between as well, because I've had my eyes on you for a while. I know who you are, what you are. You're different from other Dopplers, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. It's evil Doppler, you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> God, the slash fix already on its way. <laughs> I would be surprised if it hasn't been written, though um haven't seen it yet, so. If there's Raylo, well, if there's Raylo after episode se- uh, seven, then there's going to be Kahir. Doppler after this. <laughs> I am going to have to cut that. a reference to Raylo because we are going to get added <laughs> by the hardcore Raylo stance. <laughs> they can they they can at me, but I saw a horrible tweet the other day um like that I thought I I genuinely thought I couldn't I had I had never read anything as terrible um which was uh which was someone expressing the opinion that um uh, what Yenalt, Raylo, and um, Jonerus all have in common is that they're cannon ships that are 
uh, quote unquote shitted on by ingrates, and I. Oh no. Uh, I was deeply disgusted no. by the idea that 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 uh, um, that Yenult is compar- comparable to either of those, those of those two. People can at me if they like. That is a <laughs> point of view. Like I'm inclined to agree. <laughs> no one should compare like, anything to Raylo. It's bad. <laughs> that said, you will have to cut this because we will get atted. Or do yeah. we want it? Do we want the re- the, the folk to get angry and? <laughs> Uh, all publicity is good publicity, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Getting you, spicy on me. You you heard it first here, guys. Uh, we do not like Raylo. That is, <laughs> I, it is a controversial opinion, I know, but uh, yeah, don't like Raylo, Stanion alt. <laughs> uh, but but uh, you're gonna have to get used to the spicy takes that you're <laughs> gonna encounter on this channel. um, sexual harassment is bad kids (laughs) (laughs) I think like yeah one of the things that's you know in the scene you're introduced I'll let um, Erin was talking about some of the themes about you know some of the sexual politics in this episode Um, but I think from a mechanical point of view and from a lower point of view it's really interesting one the Doppler refers to themselves not in the singular but as a we I can't think of any Doppler in the games or in the books that does that yeah, though I think that's that's a case of just like emphasizing um, like either the complete foreignness of him basically, or that he's going just a little bit mad, frankly, um, because none of the other Dopplers do that because all the all of the other Dopplers and and lore refer they refer to themselves with normal pronouns, mm-hmm. um, and, and I th- I think it's mostly just to do with the fact that you can see that they're not like totally how do you put this like mentally healthy by mm. the way they act like as it's, yeah. as, if, it's as if they're like all the multiple personalities that they've um that basically they've tapped into by transforming into them and, and wearing their skins at various times like ha- might have broken them yeah basically they've started identifying with all of them is the how mm. i interpreted it um that makes sense actually because i think one of the things with um Doppler's in that one story in the books was that they like basically completely assume the identity of the person they've copied and then sort of feel like they have to act in that best interest of that person they've become but if they are not that one person then they don't have that one set of impulses yeah which could become problematic if they start going into oh he uh, they you know assumed the identity of someone with x mental trait and that's why they became this way so i hope they avoid that because that would be a very lazy way of explaining why they're like that at the same time Uh, a sort of of interesting one because like in the in the books um like for those of our listeners who are familiar with this um it's said that dopplers are essentially such naturally kind creatures that they can't Hmm. imagine like just all the various form like they can't relate to all the various forms of grimness and evilness and like being shitty like to each other that like lies inside you the usual humanoid well yeah that's that's why in the game they say that they're kind of dying out and going extinct is because they can't adapt to a human society in novigrad they basically said the same thing in, in the book as well that basically they're just they literally are too kind for human society like and and i think i think it, at the very least is interesting to because like this is what kahir tells us that this doppler is unique that they're 
evil. They're not like the other doctors. They like long, long for things like power and uh, gold. And I think it's interesting because it's like, what exactly is wrong with this one? Like, I, I can, I can totally see you know a scenario where like the if, even if you explain the evilness as like it comes from having tapped into one too many people who were just brutal or murd or murderous or whatever. You still need to sort of be, like, there's still a question of, like, what makes this Doppler unique that they're not able to just... Transform out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. In terms of sort of the setting of uh, the scene, um, I think it does a very good job of setting up the kinds of um, sort of visual style that the rest of the episode is going to have. And I may have done some film theory deep dives to sort of frame my thinking about uh, what is happening here. Um, I just want to sort of call out that this is this episode is the first one this season directed by a woman. The showrunner, obviously Lauren Hisrich, is a woman, but then the um, additional screenwriter for this episode is also a woman. So we've got sort of a fully like directed by women, showrun by women, written by women episode. So um, I did a little deep dive into sort of feminist film theory to sort of think about what this episode is doing differently to a lot of what else is on TV. So from the framing of this first scene, we get, um, as you pointed out, Meg's this very sort of Adonis-like male character who's filmed in a very sort of desirous way, very much admiring of himself um, in the mirror, this callback to a sort of a narcissist myth. And as you said, there's sort of this tension with Kahir about having watched him for a long time. Um, <laughs> there's this, but that does bring us up this, to this idea of like, who is the viewer and like, what is what position is sort of the viewer in and who is the observed. And I think there's something to be said for having sort of women being the main driving people behind the production of this um, to bring in like sort of the concept of the female gaze. And is it sort of a desirous gaze onto like a male object rather than the sort of typical male gaze objectifying sort of the female Mm. people on screen. So I think it's really interesting that we get this, kind of not from the books not from anything seen of sort of this like very sort of sensuous male character and one thing I also just noticed from the scene was we were talking a little bit about why the episode's called Bottled Appetites and we were talking a bit about thirst one thing that um, Kahir actually does say to him is that there is plenty that you do thirst for (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's definitely going to be slash fix. Like, I can tell. Oh, 100%. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, that was a very, very long lecture. So, uh... Oh, no, no. Uh, it, it, like, I think you're very much right that there's something going on here um, in terms of the fact that, like, this is the first time in the series that, like, female gaze really, really, really comes into play in that sort of way. Well, I wouldn't well, say it's necessarily the first time. Yeah, as I say, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the first time that the female gaze comes into play in the terms of like Geralt is always in the show framed in a desirous way, in a way that male characters on TV and films typically aren't. And there is the bath scene with Yaskier, though that isn't filmed the way this bath scene is. And not to jump ahead. It's also worth saying that like the original bath scene in the in episode four was a, a deliberate callback to the to the games where Geralt mm. starts the third game uh, dreaming that he's in a bathtub. 
Yeah, there's an action figure. Well, not so much action figure. There's a figurine of that, and you do not want to know how many people have bought it. Oh, no, I know. Tons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I would say that actually, like, there is sort of a female gazy aesthetic to quite a lot of this show in terms of not only is... Um, yeah, Geralt often filmed in a very sort of desirable way, but also is often approached through the lens of female characters. Like the first time we, not the fight scene at the start, but like when he walks into Blaviken in episode episode one, we are basically getting him through the eyes of Renfrey and Marilka. So there's this, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. That went long. I could probably do a whole bonus episode just about like this show and feminist film theory. Mm, well, We'll come. We'll come back to it because there is other yeah. sexy scenes later on that we can refer to. <laughs> but like in, in the sort of mechanics of it as well, you know, you you can tell he's a sort of magical monster being because he's scared of silver, and then it, yes, you know, Kahir goes through, you know, saying you're not like other mm-hmm. Dopplers and all that kind of thing. So it's established that he's a monstrous, scary, bad mm-hmm. Doppler. Um, and obviously the jars with bits of people is <laughs> kind of gives the game away. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we'll come back to the, the, the sexiness of that later I on. I thought that was an interesting... Uh, I'm not trying to make this... I'm, <laughs> I'm just trying to be clear. Like, I'm not trying to make this about, like, the thirstiness of this episode. Oh, no, um, I think a lot it's, more a really, to the... it's an overriding theme in the episode, yeah. so I think it's worth mentioning. Yeah. yeah. Like, I think I think it's an interesting thing, the jars of bits of people as well, because... Um, They're trophies. I, I, yeah, I've, I've thought, like, I, w- I wasn't sure how to interpret that. I don't... I, I, I thought it was, like, less trophies and more, like this Doppler is actually trying to like essentially construct body from themselves for themselves part by part like that was, that was, that was oh, my interpretation yeah. because like here says something along the lines of like um, like uh, we could offer you some more parts for your like collection oh, mm. yeah and, and, and I'm not sure if Dopplers can work like that in the Witcher lore I don't think they can but like who knows what's going on in the show that's honestly and and I think I, I was I wasn't sure how to interpret it, but my reading of it was that like uh, the Doppler is literally trying to build a perfect body for themselves piece by piece. Mm. It did sort of have yeah, and that goes back to the sort of Buffalo Bill esque feel that you mentioned, Megs. This idea of building the ideal body. Yeah. Like. Though I suppose we should mention like the inherent transphobia of the Buffalo Bill mm. situation, but. Yeah, a little bit actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're if you're interpreting it that way, then there's a little bit of that. Yeah. 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 Uh, 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 th- this is interesting because if that is the case, that I don't like, I I, I don't think you, like Dopplers can technically do that in in you know what do you call it um like actual like book lore. Um, no, I don't think so either. In in the game, when you see them kind of melting, they do kind of become like clay before they die. Yeah. Um, so they, mm-hmm. I guess they do have a true form of sort. They just never use it. No, no they do have a true form in the established books. Established in the books that they do have a true form. They just like, uh, like I, do they even like morphs into the true form at some point? Mm-hmm. Like when he he up, does, yeah, tied up with Geralt's chain, silver chain. Ah, uh, right, of course. Like he is forced mm-hmm. back into his true form. So they do have one. They do have one. I'm pretty pretty sure. But like, um, it's just it isn't like immediately like. Um, mm. I, I, I'm pretty sure they have to like morph into a person that actually exists. Um, mm. Yeah, they can't mm. make someone up. So yeah. like you know, it's it's a little bit ambiguous what they're doing with all those parts of human. But you know, this will be a topic that I think we mm. might will return to in the future. Uh, 
given yes. how the Doppler's appearance does not end with this episode. But anyway. Yeah. yeah. So then we cut to um, back to Sintra and our, and our poor old boy Mosak's having a bad time. Mosak. Everything that happens to Mousesack in this episode is just Mousesack deserved better. It's not fair. Like, this is some bullshit. Yep. Like, he was the only good sorcerer. The only good sorcerer. Well, I mean, it's partly because he's, That's because he's a druid. druid. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, um, he's. And we see Fringilla Vigo has turned bad. And said, the white flame made me what I am. Yeah, she's she's uh, talking fucking pseudo religious bullshit, like Yes. Um and then and then you know Kahir appears and tells yeah. him you've got a head start, go on, run. <laughs> like mm. and the Doppler chases after Mouse. Yes. Because yeah, we get the so sadistic I'm... side of the Doppler. Transforms into him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's clearly a little bit disgusted by the idea. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, want to be old. You mean him? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah, because he's just been this beautiful man and now he's turning into just a, an old bloke. Yeah, Yeah, he said he'd hoped to stay in that form for a while and now he's stuck with being Mousesack. Mousesack is a very well-preserved old man. I don't know why he's... <laughs> he's, yeah, he's aged well. He's not he's a bad-looking old dude. of hair still. Like, <laughs> this is true. For an old man, he looks good. Like... <laughs> We should probably, um, we, there's one thing that we've missed out in describing the scene. So basically, when we, we cut onto the scene, it's Fringilla is sort of arriving with this, this prisoner wagon. Mm. And they take Mousesack out of the wagon. He's, like, physically ill from being in it. And this is where Fringilla explains to us what dimeridium is and how it works, which is going to be yeah. very important. Yeah. So she says that they had a dimeridium cell built just for him that neuters him of his powers. But I think I had a, you know an understanding from the books that basically it, it's sort of like um, the way sort of you know lead is used to block things in a lot yeah. of sort of sci-fi. Yeah, it's, it's basically magical lead. It's it's a well it's it's literally like a combo of two metals, hence dimerity. But I can't remember which ones right mm-hmm. now. I think it's bronze mm-hmm. and something. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. or maybe copper. Yeah, it just something. it's used to suppress mages. I definitely remember that you can make some in the games, like, and you definitely meld two metals to, like, <laughs> to make the Veritium. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, and, yeah, it's, it's it basically just blocks out magical powers. Yeah, hence why he wasn't able to teleport away. Yeah, but you're right that, mm-hmm. like, it's a very important limit on magical ability within this world, because generally speaking, mm-hmm. this is a world where, like, although the, ma- although the magic system is kind of, like, you know, uh, like restrictive in some sense, like you know, like there's 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 clear rules for how it works. Um, mm. Energy doesn't go anywhere and can't come from anywhere. You have to transfer it from somewhere else. It's basically Newtonian physics, but faster. Um, <laughs> like, um, but at the same time, even with that restriction, there is a lot that mages can do. Uh, so Dimeritium mm-hmm. plays like an extremely important role from a world building standpoint, uh, because it is the one thing that completely, you know, neuters a mage. Like, um, you put some Dimeritium shackles on them, and you know, that's that. Like, they have to rely on. Yes, yeah, use a lot in the games. Yeah, yeah, and um, the way it's portrayed and when it's used in the show, it seems to sort of also make them 
not feel particularly well though i suppose being constantly connected in some way to magic and then not having it there must feel like having something amputated it's it's established in the in the in the books i'm pretty sure that like even the inability to cast magic is upsetting to mages like physically because like i think it's said at Mm -hmm. one point that like I, i can't remember actually if i'm confusing the witcher with something else but I'm pretty sure there's like a passage which implies that like an actually really horrible form of torture to me just just to break their arms because then they can't cast anymore. That's it's in the game at least, but I'm fairly oh it's in it's in the 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 short story with the dragon, isn't it? They they threaten to break her arms. I so think so. Yeah, but like there's. But then she casts a spell with her foot. Yeah, but so, I, I, mean... I think yes. I think Yennefer is just anomalously <laughs> talented. Is the thing though, like. I... Yeah. being a pure that. chaos like you're a pure yeah. chaos and all that um, <laughs> and we can refer to that because in the dragon episode in the, well we won't spoil it but yeah that's it's not a thing uh, yeah, yeah like yeah. And, and and they think like um yeah like they threatened to break her arms in the dragon episode but i think later on in like maybe times of contempt or something it's also like i think there's something said about how it's not just that like you can't cast anymore it's also that it causes actual physical discomfort to you you know besides for the genetic pain of your arms being broken like that the, the yeah. fact that like you can't cast anymore like yeah. so i think like mm-hmm. i think it is a bit like like you know like an expanded universe star wars lore when you're separated from the force um it traumatizes right. you for the rest of your life like <laughs> yeah yeah like so I I'm not, I wouldn't be shocked if like psychosomatic things happen as well where you start throwing up and shit like like my yeah, that's, that's yeah. this yeah poor boy so there's a there's a really good line um in this where sort of Mousak begs to hears like you can't change the world this way it's like only one of us will be alive to find out oh um, that was a good line and by the way yeah and it just sort of speaks to his, his villainy. Mousak saying that is something that I found interesting on my rewatch because Mousak seems to demonstrate some sort of like like deeper understanding of what the Nilf Guardians are trying to do than most people. Like because mm. because it's not that like Mousak is clearly aware that there is some sort of like more metaphysical goal, if you will, going on behind the Nilf Guardian conquest. Because it's not simply that like he turns to Kakir and goes like, what the hell do you want with this girl? Or like, you know, something like that. It's more along the lines of like, you can't change the world this way implies that you're aware they, they're they wanting to change the world. Yeah, well, he says like, you don't know what she is. But it's not It's not the same thing because like, they, he, like what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is not that like, is, is, is more that like, he seems to be aware that this isn't just generic political plotting in some sense or other because you wouldn't you wouldn't say things like you can't change the world this way if like that was that was all you thought the Nilf guardians were doing like i, I don't know if i'm making mm-hmm. sense like um no you are making sense um i i agree i think that um i think mosak is aware that what they're after is sorella for her power because there's some stuff in earlier episodes too where they say like that's why yeah, they've like, come after she screams and makes the glasses shake yeah so they, they're clearly aware that like there's something about her that is important and special and that yeah whatever that thing is is what's the reason that they've come but it seems like he thinks that they don't know what it is that has made her and that maybe he thinks they just want her for her power and not yeah yeah 
what her larger significance this is. This is the thing. I think I think he does think that they don't understand what they're dealing with, but I think they, they, they he also like mm-hmm. um, seems to know that like it's not just like it's not just conquest that they're theoretically after, but like something else as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Kahir says, you know, she will end up where she belongs. So like he clearly mm-hmm. thinks he knows what it is that Shokahir she's for. clearly thinks that he clearly clearly like you know like has a very clear like image of what he's what he's doing and why mm-hmm. gosh this um this whole scene where this is happening is just the most horrible slow death for Mousak. just the like very slowly pressing the mm. dagger into his chest it's, it's actually horrible like fucking deserve better like it's, yeah it's sadistic and cruel and yeah yeah it's oof it's rough, though I will say one of the things that I love in just about any show is when like an actor for one character ends up playing another character. Ask me about Orphan Black, one of my favorites. But <laughs> um, just watching the actor who plays Mousak play the Doppler not playing Mousak was I just I think that was just very good. It's amazing just watching all of his like sort of yeah of course because he's gonna have, well, he's functionally playing two completely different characters that actor isn't he well he's playing three technically so he's playing Mousak, he's playing the doppler just in mousak's mousak's body not trying to convince anybody and yeah. he's playing the doppler playing mousak it's very 12th night isn't it? <laughs> <It's so funny. laughs> uh, yeah and, and yeah. he says the line um children are our favorite that which was... is very oh, unsettling very cool. no that's very yeah. creepy and very bad do not like. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. So uh, then we're in slightly warmer climes after that, thankfully, with the, <laughs> with, with our lass, uh, Yen. She's in the in the, in the in the hourglass shop having a tete-a-tete with the guy. And it's like, you're a wee bit shy. It's like, I've never been shy a day in my life. I is... love that line. It's so Yennefer. <laughs> like, he's so... Yeah, so this, it was, this is where it we was find very, out. It was very funny to me because like he has a very like snape kind of aesthetic and voice shopkeeper mm. like mm-hmm. and i, I was mm-hmm. just like wow man it, it, like you know you could really play uh, snape and harry potter like because he has just like mm. that precise <laughs> sort of like patronizing slightly like slithery kind of voice Potty, yeah. yeah he really does do we get a name for him? I don't think we do. I think he's just sorcerer. Yeah. He's just sorcerer, I think. Yeah. yeah, so we find out quite a bit um, in this scene. Um, we find out that, um, you know, Jens left her post in Adern after what happened with Callus um, and is now sort of in defiance of the Brotherhood, living off the grid and is trying to buy a cure for something. And it's really outraged at the yes. suggestion that she is anything like the other guy who's living off the grid. Yes. I really thought that was a really important line, actually, because, of course, um, it's quite a sort of heartwarming moment when Taseya says to her, you know, mages like us, we have to, you know, control our emotions or we're subsumed by them. And when he tries to mages like us her, she just shuts him down immediately. There are no mages like us. Yeah, there is only me. Yen <laughs> <laughs> um, is, is mean to random NPCs sometimes. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> like in a way that like honestly honestly um, like you know uh is not always undeserved but also like is just sometimes she's affording due contempt he deserves everything she's throwing at him frankly he's jacking up his prices for what are probably not real 
treatments. He's a snake so, oil merchant. Yeah, but like yeah. she's going she's... to the snake oil merchant and buying like pseudo treatments from him. So mm. <laughs> Yen should know better. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. She yeah. should know better. She does some sort of wild things the next couple of episodes that she should know better than to do, but it's in it's character for what she does. It's the character for so. how she's yeah. feeling as well, which we will get to talk mm-hmm. to in, a, in about a minute. Yeah. So, yeah, this is when we go to her making her monies um, from, uh, shall we say, lacking individuals in the reproductive department. And also, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it, yeah. there was an important moment just before where it's established that, like, this is. This is um, Redania, a kingdom which, um, well, I, it's not at any point I think in the episode said that it's Redania, but it's said in the short story that this is based off this Redania, which at this time in its history was really putting on like quite high taxes on magical activity. And Yennefer runs into this problem as suddenly like the town magistrate yes. and, the, and the guard turn up like uh, demanding she pays her taxes. Yeah. Yeah, we should probably describe the the scene. So she arrives in this small town that we later find out is called Rind, and she's doing not just sort of reproductive for the sake of reproductive magic, but also sort of basically magical Viagra as well. Yes. And that's something that we should note from the books is also just like a common line of work for sorceresses. They often do sort of all kinds of reproductive and sexual yeah, and in the games. stuff. I actually really loved the the couple that she's they're seeing. So, they're so cute. They're mm. really lovely. They're so cute and so sweet <laughs> and like and yeah. the excitement in his face when he goes to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and her like and her like safe word being kumquat. Just like, everything like about where that she scene goes. Just... You arrived at that rather quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> Like, wait, can I just observe that Listen. I cannot stop laughing at the fact that they just gave all Redanians German accents. It's really fucking funny. And <laughs> yeah, supposed like, to be Poland, because yeah. they are supposed to be Poland, but also because, like, <laughs> guys, there will be so many fucking Redanian characters later on in the books. And I think they've worked themselves into a place where oh my like, God, you're right. Dijkstra and Philippa Eilhart will both have to have comical German accents. <laughs> like they they they've, they've they've caused this you know they've brought this on themselves they're gonna have to stick with it now like <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's right yeah because Rodania is yeah, pretty like, important look, for basically fucking, the rest of the like story. it's it's a fair question why why fucking Yaskir doesn't have a German accent considering that like he spends a lot of his like actual casual life like when he's not on tour living in Rodania. <laughs> Oh, he's an actor. He has to have a stagey British accent. Everyone knows that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> like, so it is quite funny, and it is is funny because like Rodania is like 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 a blatant Poland expert, as you say, because it literally like its coat of arms is a white eagle on a red background. Uh, <laughs> yep. Like it is, it, <laughs> like so it's it's quite funny actually, but uh, but 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 I kind of like it because it's actually like. I think it's an interesting way of indicating. No, like I, I just think it's kind of an interesting, like, um, way of establishing. Um, but like, um, even though, like, basically everyone in Northern Kingdoms, uh, except for the elder races, like, natively speaks common. Uh, they're like, mm-hmm. um, 
like there are still like cultural units within that so they at least like have like you know accents and their their four distinct dialects and i think i just thought that was nice like and it even mm-hmm. it even actually transcends like it isn't like as simple as like it's the it, it's like like it, it doesn't it even like transcends like racial boundaries because as we later see in this episode uh Kiredan, the elven healer also speaks in like common with a Rodinian accent. Oh yeah, right. Now. So it's kind of fun, actually. I think. Yeah. Mm. I, I wanted to flag up as well the line that uh, before she gets taken away in, in shackles, the line that Yen has. Which is, I'm afraid those terms seem rather <laughs> shite. <laughs> <laughs> like, this, this is this is this is oh, basically where um, the no context the Witcher Twitter page like you know re- really starts providing <laughs> us with good Yen content. Does just starts dropping like easily memeable lines. Oh, oh you yeah. mean like oh, I did suspect you possess such a predilection when she's looking at the uh, big old burly guard with the handcuffs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I do need to point out. I really don't want to sound like the thirsty bitch on this episode, but there is like a lot of sort of BDSM aesthetics oh, there, there, in this there, episode there, as well. I don't. Think oh, I don't think so it's, many. I don't think All it's first to notice something that. Yes, like everywhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's everywhere, and this is sort of our first sort of glimpse, especially with this guard, yeah, in particular. It's it's so, sort of like a rather yeah. strongly establishing that Yen is quite kinky, just mm-hmm. and not just her. Like not even like just in the most literal <laughs> sense, but like household. you know, in like just how she behaves and thinks. Like it's like like really radiates mm-hmm. a kind of rather yeah BDE sphere. <laughs> Yen definitely has like yeah she's yeah. got big dick energy for sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> like and the, sorry like did we yeah so we this is where we go to the yes, dryads yes. and we get the the chats like there's a bit of chat about destiny and stuff but the main line is that the death the sword of destiny has two edges which one is a direct reference to the title of the second book and two it's kind of emphasizing the series thing for this the series arc for the episode it's not just the direct reference to the title of the second book there's a direct quote from the second book like and from yeah like the idea of the sword of destiny has two edges comes straight from the books but there's an important idea that like Mm -hmm. Well, actually, I, I say important, but then it's like one well, of those ideas that like sound really like meaningful, but like end up meaning like b- sort of both everything and nothing in the books, because like like you know mm-hmm. it's the idea that like the sword of destiny has two edges. One of them is Geralt, and the other is Death. I think it's said at one point. Like, but like uh, it's uh, yeah. It, sorry, but I think ahead. what's interesting. Yeah. It, sorry. I was just gonna say what's interesting is the sort of lead queen dryad when she says to her the sword of destiny has two edges in the show she seems to be implying that one of them is like destiny and one of them is choice like she seemed to say to her like you have the choice to keep running towards Geralt or you have the choice to stay here in Brokilon and like either of these could be the other edge of your destiny it seems like she's implying that there's like there's fate and there's choice and those are like the two edges of the sort of I'm destiny. I'm gonna be and say that like to be mm. totally honest, in all incarnations of the Witcher, I find that the line about the sword of destiny has two edges sounds really cool, but means basically nothing. Like <laughs> that's like yeah, a lot yeah, of but like this one is repeated it? so frequently, and I think like Sapek doesn't really know what it means. I think he just says it because it sounds cool. Like. Uh, 
like I don't I, like like the the one in this scene is actually an interesting case because this is the one case where it might actually have some sort of meaning behind it, which is as you say, Siri has a choice. Like frankly, even interpreting it in a simpler way, you could literally just say that like the two edges like symbolize you know any decision that you ever make in your life. Like mm. sure, there is perhaps mm-hmm. such a force as destiny but you also have the right to choose between option a and option b option b sorry um i just think it's also implying that there's always going to be bloodshed i guess could be another interpretation you know you split sword it is i mean sword. i'm gonna be there and say that probably they put that yeah. line in because they knew that like the fans would at them if they hadn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> There's actually something else I wanted to, to, to call out in, in this scene, because this comes fairly shortly after we know that we've sort of learned that uh, Nilfgaard is trying to use Ciri to change the world because of the power that she has. And this whole debate that the Dryads are having is because they've just found out what Ciri is, which we're not being told, mm. but Mosat clearly knows and Kahir maybe knows. And whether they should let her say... Um, because now they found out, A, that she's Ciri of Sintra, and B, that she has this sort of magical power that basically makes her a weapon and this they talk about you know her being special the word special gets used which calls back to Yennefer's monologue from the previous episode where she says even if you're special like you were like I was told I was you're still just a vessel for other people to use uh, um, I noticed that yeah there is another there is another phrase that like is quite starkly used which is like um where the dry general says um, she is a weapon uh, and mm-hmm. what's her face ifta responds with uh, she is a girl and i thought that was like very interesting because that actually for those of our listeners who know a little bit about how the story of the books goes that is essentially setting up the key conflict that is going to be a part of Suri's life henceforth and already is, which is like the conflict mm. between like you know being a child and needing a normal child's life with a home and everything, and you know being also being the carrier of like extreme power of an, a currently unclear nature. Yeah, yeah. I think also on a smaller level, that is like clearly the important larger thematic issue. But on a smaller level. I mean, what her being a girl means to oh, the yeah. Dryads is that she can become one of them. Yes. And that they can use that power to protect Brokolon as well because, you know, they do sometimes take in girls and I, I try make them into Dryads. I try not to think like, the Dryad so. scenes about, like, what pragmatic considerations on their part, because if you start thinking about that, then seriously, if those actions start seeming so illogical... Because she simultaneously, like, clearly realizes the, like, well, I think the word is military potential of Siri. And, like, at the same time. Yeah. yeah. She's a WMD. A woman of yeah. mass destruction. A woman of mass destruction. <laughs> and, at the same, and at the same time, Ifna is, like, completely okay in the TV series with just letting Siri do whatever she likes. Like, you know, stay, go, doesn't matter. We don't care that much. Hmm. Well, I think she believes in, I think she really believes in destiny, though, and that if she really thinks that Ciri's choices are the other edge of her destiny, then she can't interfere with this. And say that, like, to me, like, a lot of the dryad scenes just read as not especially thought through. Like, 
Um, like, like, not to not to criticize <laughs> our wonder, our the show's wonderful writing team, who we all here love and adore. But like, I think they were working with a really like hard sort of <laughs> task in a lot of these scenes, which was mm-hmm. they simultaneously needed to the way the way just because of how the show is structured, they really needed to give more screen time to Siri in some form or other. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so mm. they tried to introduce. Uh, the story of Siri and Broccolon, which in the books was, shall we say, in a completely different context that we will discuss later on mm-hmm. when we get to the short po- stories. Like... Uh, which is pretty soon, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and this will be one of those things that like we will need to talk about, but, like, they needed they, they needed to flesh it out in such a way as to, like, give her sufficient screen time to make her one of the main characters alongside, alongside Geralt and Yennefer already like the problem yeah the scenes just aren't that interesting i think they're just kind of there for mechanic yeah for mechanics and to fill yeah. it out there's not really much going on in them they're just they're like look siri still they're, exists they're basically... she just happens to be <laughs> they're basically there to reaffirm siri's existence uh which is why i don't really expect much from them but the end result of them is that like a lot of them are, ju- are just like yeah well siri is there she's still alive <laughs> yeah um, please do not ask us about the minor plot holes. I don't know. I think counterpoint is I thought it was a thematically really interesting scene, and I love the visuals of Brokolon, and I love the dryads. So <laughs> I do love the aesthetic uh, of them. I, I, do, like, I do. I do love how the, how the dryads were like aesthetically designed. It's you know the costume design, and everything is wonderful. Don't get me wrong. Like um, I just I just think that like the Brokolon story, the way it's presented in the TV series, just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, well, it's not a self-contained story the way the book story is. Yeah, but... that's yeah. true. But like, but like, also just like I, I struggle to see like coherence. In it. There's things like, like for instance, um, like um, actually, we'll get back to this when when Mousesack enters Brokolon. Yeah. But in the meantime, yes, this is this is the scene. We're by the pond. This is the scene. <laughs> yes. So yeah, you know, Geralt is crabbit and throwing a net around. <laughs> And Jasker appears drunk and downbeat, and it's like, oh, what's it been? Months, year, decades, and he's having the day, of course. What is time, even? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a fantastic lampshading of like how the how the timeline fro- flows in this in this TV series. With what is time, even? Like, it's really... well, he's he is. I find myself saying that every day lately. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how that's how the world um, feels these days, and these quarantine days yeah so just as a we record these pretty far in advance so this is our first episode we've recorded during the quarantine in case you're listening a year from now and it's all long in the past yeah like touch wood if you've already forgotten what the what the great quarantine of 2020 was like uh then 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 yes we were recording this while in quarantine and on my birthday no less yes happy birthday (laughs) good bags (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah ah this i mean everyone's seen the scene so i don't need to go into just the minutiae but but it's just the tone and the back and forth and the comedy of it you know when he's just going oh what are you fishing for it's like oh are you fishing for x fish y fish i don't know why i'm i'm just listing fish that i know as i don't even think that's a fish It's like I'm not fishing. I can't sleep. Does, that, does anyone know <laughs> if Xander is a fish? Xander is a fish. It is. Okay, it is that's a fish. Real fish. Good. Yes. Good. Like no, because I realized <laughs> I don't know. I don't know my fish. 
Well, I mean, bear in mind he's listing fish uh, in their English names uh, as well, so you're not expected to know what a stickleback is or anything. But yes, poor Yaskier has been dumped by the Countess de Stael, who is apparently at this point the love of his life. He will die a broken-hearted or at least a hungry man (laughs) if Geralt won't share a fish with his uh, best friend. And then, of course, Geralt (laughs) stomps off and Yaskier has to another thing where he just has no idea how much time has passed and we have no idea how much time has passed like oh are we not using the word friend what do we have to wait another decade (laughs) (laughs) and then then, like of course like Yaskin interrogates him about like what he's doing on that waterfront and it turns out he's looking for a genie or floaty fellas with bad tempers and bad magic (laughs) (laughs) oh Yaskin is so perfect in this scene (laughs) Apparently, because apparently the only the only cure for insomnia that Geralt can think of is finding a genie. That said, I think Yaskir is kind of calling him no, out he on does, this. No, absolutely. Like Yaskir immediately calls him out and goes like, "Are you sure this is really about your insomnia and not like you know you're not addressing the root not, not you're not addressing the root issue here?" Uh, yeah, putting, you know, um, not being able to escape a child that belongs to and you. And Geralt goes, "No," and yeah. Yaskir goes. Okay, but what if you're wrong though? <laughs> like, just, like, I love Yaskir in terms of like when he just calls Geralt or like other people around him out on like the ways they've been lying to themselves. And this is like a very characteristic one. This is the the to and fro. It's just so funny between them because you know he's like, oh, Geralt's like, oh, did you sing to her before you left? <laughs> about 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 how Yaskir's singing is according to Geralt, like ordering a pie and finding it out has no finding out that has no filling. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, the faces that Yaskir makes the when he does the like, oh, you need an app line, just the the shocked, gasping, app. drunk, like. <laughs> I, I hope that Geralt like appreciates that he's basically indul- insulting himself, given how like the. Or the filling of those songs. Of course, he is, is the filling Geralt. of his songs. <laughs> like... He is the filling of. <laughs> I mean, that is pure Geralt self-loathing right there. <laughs> and yeah, then they have the the scrap over the. He finally gets the jar. Yes. Yes. And and, <laughs> yeah. and, and Yasker takes it from him. So then you can have your Ginny Gin. Like the, <laughs> he demands an apology, but then like when he uncorks the jar, he starts just like fighting off wishes. Including a rather unfortunate end to a troubadour, uh, probably a troubadour. Uh, Valdo Marks. of Sedaris, yeah. And then, of course, that like the Countess Destail welcomes him back with very little clothing. Yes, open arms and very little clothing. And then he's about he he's about to express third wish when uh, once again tries to grab like grab the you know jar from his hands and go, Yasker, there are only three wishes. <laughs> He grabs him by the scruff of his yeah. neck, basically. It's very... <laughs> um, yes. I just want some damn peace. <laughs> oh, I love Yaskier's line here, though, that you always say you want nothing from life. How could I know that you'd want three wishes to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> like, and, of course, then the djinn appears and attacks Yaskier because this is the Witcher, and it's not going to be just like that. Uh, like, It's not Robin Williams we're talking and, about uh, here. Like, yeah. we see um, Geralt cut himself with the shard of the seal which mm-hmm. um as we'll find out later in the episode um 
is actually a side that a wish has just been well, granted by yeah. the genie. And I feel I feel we can we can because you know this is the based on the book that at this point in the book that's not what the first wish is. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that in the short story episode because that like. Our listeners, you are in for a wild ride if you've not read that. If you've not read that short story, <laughs> we are not going to spoil it for you. Please read it. Oh, the no, first wish good. is the greatest <laughs> thing ever written in fantasy oh, literature. I have never laughed as much as the first time I read that short story. Just the comedy in, in Sapex writing when it's good is. But let, let's just say that it was artistic. Um, it was truly inspired. It was something else. <laughs> Yeah, so then he he bundles our poor troubadour on a horse and goes to try and save him because his throat's expanding and killing him. And, I uh, love how they go from like full on like physically fighting to like very sort of sweet and tender and nice with each other. Yeah, I just, yeah, like this, I love like them. you know, <laughs> TV show Geralt is a bit of a dick to Yaskir, and by a bit of a dick, I mean seriously massive arsehole. But like. Um, but yeah. he is also clearly really caring for him, and you know I just think that's wonderful. But like it is, it's really it's really nice. They're just like in this like almost like knockout dragdown fight, and then like immediately Gaskier's hurt, and his immediate reaction is call out for Geralt, and Geralt's immediate reaction is like, oh my god, yeah. I have to yeah. fix this. So it's, like, it's nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, when when he appeals to the elf for aid, he's like, oh, if you don't get help, you know he's gonna die, and he's like, we, this, we won't let that this happen. Is, this is when like, yeah. the German elf is introduced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, Redanian. Like, yeah, they they come they come to like what looks like. I actually kind of like how it's done in this in this episode, like um, where they 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 come to what looks like a military camp, mm-hmm. and you can tell that like uh, like Jiredan is wearing like armor, and I think that's like that's like interesting mm-hmm. because it's the first time that in the TV series we see an elf who is working in a human military. Yeah, it is. And it's, we've really only gotten very sort of conflicting or like, you know, conflict-filled stories about humans and elves so far. Yeah, so like, really there, there is like, by this. the way, like, no racial tension in this episode. Like, in fact, there's like less racial tension than in the short story that it was based on, where there were some like, you know, passing mentions mm-hmm. of like issues. It was still not a central theme, but mm-hmm. it like existed, right? But mm-hmm. in this episode, we act like, you know, mm-hmm. The guy who directs, like, the guy who, you know, gre- the guard who greets them at the camp and, and directs them to Keredan is a human. And he, he just goes, yeah, our healer, the elf, Keredan, go, go to him. Like, you know, it's like, there's nothing, like, you know, there, there's, there's no, yeah. like... It's not, it's not said in a derogatory way, it's just, like, almost imply, oh, yeah, he's good, <laughs> he's an elf. Like, like I think it's, like, less even that, more just, like, yeah, the elf, go there. <laughs> like... And it's like really like casual and kind of like it's great because it's like the first time in the series that we do get human and human working relationships that are not based around them like that that do not even emphasize the non-humans race well yeah mm-hmm. it's not actively belittlement like yeah the women it's in not the even active with, uh... anything like keredan yeah. is not processed as an elf he's processed as a healer both by the people around him and by like the episode yeah. And and I just think it's nice. Yeah, but our uh, oh, Carradine has a, a line that uh, I actually really love here, um, where they sort of arrive and Gerald explains what happens with it being a djinn, and Carradine says, "Oh, a djinn, it's like a fairy tale," which I think is a nice sort of callback to the fact that all the short stories are basically just yeah, they're, fairy they're, tales. they're the short a lot of the early short stories being like you know 
darker interpretations of fairy tales. It's actually kind of really nice. Well, of course, fairy tales originally, the Brothers Grimm fairy tales are supposed to be horrible yeah. and grisly. It's just that Disney kind of sweetens it's, it's them up. It's partly that and also mm -hmm. partly that, like, they were never really that scary from, like, a modern perspective. Hmm. Really? Because I had nightmares the first time I read the real The yeah, Little Mermaid. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that dark, is dark. One, isn't it? That and, one's and, nasty. Actually, Sapex's version of The Little Mermaid is a lot nicer than the real version of The Little that Mermaid. That one is kind of ironically much more yeah. hopeful. <laughs> does it? Is, although he does, um, in the games, they reference, what, Silandrella or something? And the reason that there was a glass slipper was because she got eaten by a zoogle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. From the ball. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Like, the games, oh, no. like, don't ever quite mimic sapphic's dark humor perfectly but there are moments of like just passing dialogue that are brilliant like yeah because it's not even a major story point or anything like that it's just Geralt is telling there is a fantastic major story point where Geralt kills a giant frog that lives in Oxenford sewers or a game and that mm. prompts a small brigade of Ophiri warriors to like attempt to like kidnap him and take him to a fear for trial because that was their prince just under a curse yeah <laughs> like <laughs> oh that's a yeah. sad version of frog prince like, either way get back to the point yeah like point yes our boy is in bad shape <laughs> our boy is in bad shape but kiredan says there he cannot help them more than just to put salve on a tumor essentially like because because this is a magical wound and requires magic. Oh, but the worst thing is, it's, it's actually Geralt who re says the put yeah, salve on a tumor like, thing because that's a callback to Gaskier accusing him of putting salve on a tumor with his wish to yeah. get some sleep, and like you can see Gaskier just like glaring at Geralt for like reusing his words. Literally yells no in a kind of genuinely frustrated way. Like, the faces that he is doing through this whole scene are so incredible. Oh, well, yeah. So we get the line um, that Elfhuler says, you know, there is a mage, powerful and malicious and quite cunning. So what does it immediately cut to? Yeah, and then to say it has another Yeah, I was asked by um, people on Tumblr to point out because I mentioned that the show passes the Bechdel test in every episode, and I've kind of forgotten to mention it in the last couple. So here we go. This is the show passing the Bechdel test for this episode. Yennefer and Tissaia are having a conversation that is not about a man. Okay, carry on. <laughs> yeah, there's so many good lines in this conversation. Like, say comes Can I just fucking deserve? Like, on my rewatch of this, of this, this, this conversation in particular, this is the one place of the episode where, I mean, you guys might have a different opinion on this, but I, I felt that, like, Yen was being, like, extremely personally unreasonable to Tissaia in particular, because, like, yes, I get there's, like, you know, a lot of, like, emotional bad blood left over from everything, you know, fine, I get it, but, like, but Yen hmm. is being, like, needlessly skeptical of Tissaia's true motives, because, like, she borderline, like, accuses her of, like, wanting to control her every move because she's afraid that, like, uh, Yen will surpass her. And it's just like, Yen, I have to be real here with you. In all likelihood, Tissaia is just, like, like, there might be a, a pragmatic reasoning behind her inviting you back to teach, but I think it's the, the much more mundane reason that nobody wants to be a teacher with Aratusa anymore. <laughs> like, 
I think it's much <laughs> it's it's much less she's trying to control you and more they have nowhere else to go. <laughs> and I mean it's the one thing that Yennefer could do to get back in like the world's yeah. good graces because it's not gonna say Like I do I do jit like also to be totally fair, um like I don't I don't know in so far you know how the show is fucking interpreting this, but in the books, um like she does remain the advisor, the royal advisor in Edern. So like I assume it I'm assuming that this is one of those situations where she probably could pick up the job job again. Like, um in some sort of weird, like, oh sorry, I took several decades of vacation kind of thing. Yeah, because she says it's they haven't seen each other in like thirty years or something like that. So it's been that long since she yeah. left the uh, left the court. There is a line uh, in in this bit in this um, discussion as well, which you need to like hang on to as well, because she says, you know, you only want me to do well so long as you have a hand in it. Yeah. Um, yes, and that gets echoed. This is later. This is, yes. this is the yes. thing that like gets me is that like I completely understand why, given all the emotional bad blood between them, Yen feels that way, but it like. My interpretation of it is that she is a little bit paranoid about, like, to say as true intentions. Because I think she is trying to help yeah. her. I think she literally just is, like, she just cares for Yennefer and wants to give her a job. Mm-hmm. We should probably try to articulate kind of exactly what happens, um, what what she's basically trying to offer her. So to say a sort of just portals into Yennefer's room in this house and is basically offering her to sort of forgive everything that happened, uh, warns Yennefer that she's attracting too much attention, that the Brotherhood's let her go for now, but now that she's sort of stirring up trouble in Rind, she's going to end up back on their radar, and she's giving her an out. You can come be a teacher at Eretuza, everything will be forgiven, and you'll be back in the fold. And that's sort of what Yennefer is yeah, reacting quite. against. Yeah, she's offering her a choice between staying as an apostate or coming back into the Order, basically. Mm-hmm. She also kind of takes a dig at her refusal to go to Nilfgaard by saying that Fringilla is doing so well in Nilfgaard, the rightful heir is returned. Like, Fringilla um, is prospering in yeah. the post that should have been yours, etc, etc. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, I have to say, I do not appreciate the show's constant insistence on articulating the idea that, like, maybe if Yen had gone to Nilfgaard, things could have been a little different. Yeah, I don't like for that start- either. For starters, because I don't believe that's true. <laughs> She would have probably yeah. been no, killed like, very swiftly uh, for being... Like, or she like, would have like, taken Yen, off. Yen would not <laughs> yeah. have survived at that post, first of all. And second of all, even, like, um, Yen is, like, the sort of, like, you know, quite tough lady who could perhaps have basically achieved the same things as Fringilla. But that's the problem, though. Like, she would have done exactly the same mm-hmm. things as Fringilla. The alternate universe... Where, or she would have left. One or she would other. have left. Like, she lit- literally e- either would have found it ultimately too depressive and gone, yeah, I cannot be arsed with this. Like, which mm-hmm. I think is probably more likely. But if she doesn't leave, mm-hmm. I think the alternate universe where Yen prospers in Fringilla's job is one where Yen essentially becomes Fringilla. Because, because like... This is the thing, right? Like, and and I think to be fair, like the actual show possibly understands that. I think like it's, it might just be the mages who don't, because like, the mages seem convinced like that every single problem in Ilfgard comes from the fact that um, there wasn't a tough enough mage essentially controlling the empire from behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like you know that that was that was the problem to begin with. Like you know um, 
but uh, um, like King Fergus, um, like could be an incompetent ruler because um, and then be toppled by the usurper who was in turn toppled by the by Emir because simply there wasn't a tough mage to set course, him on track. Th- and of course, this doesn't even really work with the books anyway, because in the books, Nilfgaard is like this extremely foreign yeah, yeah, like a, like, place that has nothing to do with the larger sort of system of sort of like, Eretusa yeah. and Bernard and the academies. And it's a foreign it, place. It, it, does, books, it doesn't so. even work with like how the books work. But like, no, that, that's that's an entirely even separate story. Like, even if we take just like mm-hmm. the show narrative as it is, Mm-hmm. But this is the thing. They send a strong mage there and mm-hmm. everything turns she just to disaster because, because they yeah. send the strong mage there. Like, mm-hmm. like the, the... Yeah. They unleash world war. Yeah. <laughs> like, the idea that Fringilla isn't a strong mage and everything we see about her is, like, intensity and ferocity and powerful magic is... No, the, yeah, yeah, like, this is the thing. Ridiculous. This is the thing. Shofringilla is one of the most, like, how do you put this, tough and genuinely powerful in a kind of, like, you know, not just literal, but also, like, psychological sense characters in the show. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, I am really looking forward to getting more Shofringilla. Oh, she's an amazing character. And that, that is yeah. the problem from a political sense, because that means that, like, yeah. Emir has an incredible weapon at his side. Um, so one thing that we haven't talked about about the scene is, um, this is where Tissaia names what it is that Yennefer is angry about and what she's chasing after. Oh, of course, yes. Which is, uh, Tissaia warns Yennefer there's no solution to her problem and then just seems just so confused about why on earth she would want a baby. And now this is something that I think has been, Yennefer has been unfortunately maligned for in a lot of the discourse around her character is Jennifer makes it very clear that like it's not about the baby is they took her choice and she wants it back this is about reclaiming her body from what Eretusa did to her not about wanting specifically to have a baby though I'm sure there's some trauma over seeing what happened to Callus's daughter lingering there says to her you know you knew the cost of enchantment which she replies but I did not know what it would mean to me exactly and this is I think a really important sort of discourse about meaningful consent and like duress hmm. because i mean she made a split decision under terrible pressure as a teenager essentially that she shouldn't have had to make hmm. yeah and it is it is an, a, an overriding theme of why you know when the story develops we can get to that later why her relationship with Cyrilla is what it is yeah yeah, yeah precisely uh-huh. and i mean the, the other line to say is like I mean, from Tissaia's perspective, she's just trying to be, like, a good sorceress mom um, and offer Yennefer a way out and a job, and Yennefer won't take it because she's got all this sort of, like, trauma over what was done to her. You know, Tissaia says to her, you know, I gave you all I could give. What more do you want? And we get this oh, great line from Yennefer. Everything. Mm. Oh, I love her. I think she just keeps getting maligned by sort of the larger discourse around the show as being baby crazy, but it's not about that. It's about control and power and having everything also it is it is actually that this is to go back to a very constant theme in the witcher books which i'm sure we will discuss when that comes up and that is the like like a topic that constantly comes up in the books is 
the emphasization of the idea of, of well basically it's a very pro-choice fucking series uh, like sure and is. and and like the thing about about Jennifer wanting a baby is actually that like I kind of read it as like you know an extension of that same logic because like you know at the end of the day like um the like you you can interpret the idea that like you know um the right to have a child should not be taken away from you any more than the right to not have a child yeah that's actually um something that's important if you use a reproductive justice framing um to looking at reproductive rights and reproductive health care so a lot of sort of um mainstream feminist activism around reproductive healthcare has been in terms of ensuring sort of pro-choice means right to have an abortion, right to birth control. But um, the reproductive justice framing comes out of sort of uh, black women's activism, mostly in America that says, you know, equally though, our right to be mothers is as important. Um, And that also sort of ties to sort of larger structural issues in terms of forced sterilization and that sort of thing. Um, So I think there's a little bit of that here. And that also sort of ties in with sort of sexual consent as well. The idea that like you have a right to say no, but you don't meaningfully have a right to say no unless you also have a right to say yes. And I think there's a lot of that here. Yeah, yeah. like, and I think this is what like, at least I think, I certainly think that like that is a lot of like how it was approached in the books. Like, I don't, I don't really think Mm -hmm. it's ever made explicit, but like I got the impression just from like, how Sapek talks about women's choice in the books that to him Yennefer's struggle is like it's it's not about being baby crazy it's about wanting something and having it had been denied to you for well essentially you know not really fair reasons yes precisely um what I think is pretty incredible here is Taseya who's been sort of this ice queen this whole time we've known her when Jennifer says she wants everything and then like kind of walks away from her, you can the the camera really focuses on Taseya's face and you can see her cracking and coming apart a little bit mm. before she sort of puts the mask back on and sort of portals out. I just thought yep. just I wanted to call out my Anna Burning for that incredible bit of sort of acting. Yeah, yeah. It's very good. Yeah. So um after that we get to a light a bit of a lighter scene with um, the tower. And the guard tries to shake down Geralt, <laughs> and, uh, and it says, "Well, money opens all doors." As he clocks him in the face with the bag of coins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is the uh, burly guard that had handcuffed Jennifer, who's now outside, yes. charging admission yes. to the house. And then Geralt finds a man yes. in the nip. Uh, I think I describe him in my notes as clearly enchanted or shagged out. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> or both, yes. as the case may be. And then we get to, um, <laughs> yes, the apple juice and the going downstairsness. Yes. So, yeah, this scene, where to begin? The mayor is standing naked, saying that uh, she wants apple juice. Uh, Geralt is like, I'm confused. Does he want, want me to give him some apple juice? Like, turning to Yaskir. Like, <laughs> Yaskir is very much not in a position to answer that question. Uh, as he is still bleeding from his mouth. Uh, It is wild how Henry Cavill is just carrying him around over one shoulder as well. Like, he's nothing. Like, he's, like, Joey Beatty's, like, 5'11", and, like, actually pretty solidly built. So it is 
wild that he's just yeah, that's like me size on his shoulder. Like, do we know if he actually yeah. was kidding him or either? Was that just like you know? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> like, to be fair, like Henry Cavill probably would manage to, but like he is hench. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's literally Superman, right? So yeah, it's it's when it's when he goes goes downstairs to this to the orgy scene and like and it's it's Jaskier's eyes, like his face, mm-hmm. the expression that is just oh my god coming out of his face, just the physical <laughs> comedy of it is just incredible. It's I'm not sure. Is this a look of like I can't believe I'm at an orgy and I'm too fucked it's, up to join? Like. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he just gets dumped down and Geralt's like, stay, <laughs> as he plants uh, it on two young women. <laughs> he gets dumped yeah. down, like, on a boob, actually, like, basically. There is an interesting moment here, like, from a, like, and I do know that interesting moment is kind of, like, you know, an understatement given this scene. So, like, Geralt isn't affected by the spell that Yennefer's casting, mm-hmm. which, by the way, can I just say... I, I do not really want to think about the implications of, like, a spell that makes presumably anyone who annoyed her in this town at any point, like, start having sex with each other slowly Well, the in thing is about Georgie is, I don't know that... Well, okay, there's two different ways to read like, this the scene. The thing is, like, I, I was saying to her, it's not... They're gyrating and, like, dry-humping each other, but it's it looks, like, choreographed and almost more, like, dancing than they're actually having sex. A little bit, but, like, they're also pretty naked. Yeah, it's, they're, they're, they're in the nip and they're rumbling about, but it's, yeah, I'll let Erin... Okay, so I think there's... I'm always defending Yennefer for this. Um, so I think there's two ways to read this scene. You could read this as, like her revenge on the town but what she says is i'm serving the stifled people of this town and then what she we have here when the spell what one they're charging yes, admission there's clearly consent to the manor so i think this might actually not so much be her weird vengeance so much as she is making money off of having a cam sex party so there's a question of consent At the end, she stops her fingers and they all as if wake from a dream. Well, it's, it's ragamuffin. She says ragamuffin. Okay, but if you took went to a party, there's a difference between going to an orgy, intentionally taking a bunch of like MDMA or GHB or whatever, and then, you know, suddenly sobering up instantly. And the lack of consent there versus the lack of consent of being drugged against Me. your will. So well, yeah, why are they all there in the first happening. place? Exactly. Like, they, they're, they're not there by accident. If she'd led them there like the Pied Piper and then cast a spell, then yes. But if they've paid to be there, then... To be drugged and... Yeah, because I mean, like that's a thing people in the real world do. They pay to go to parties I mean, and intentionally take drugs but, to have but orgies. I'm here. They looked pretty shocked that they're there. Like, well, wouldn't you be if you were high and having crazy like drug sex and then suddenly sobered up instantly? I'm going to this and say that like th- this 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 feels like we're trying like you know it feels a little bit like we're trying to find excuses for something that is probably easier explained as this is a bit messed up. Well, uh, well, the thing is, if you went perhaps like that's one way of thinking. You could equally say if you went to a nightclub and it was high, even it was three a.m. and you suddenly sobered up. Like out of nowhere, and you suddenly sobered yeah, up. Yeah, and, and you find yourself you on the dance floor, doing. like you're like grinding on someone. 
yeah, and you're drunk yeah, you off your face and, and then suddenly don't do that but if you suddenly came to you'd be like oh shit what am i doing <laughs> it's 3 a.m i'm yeah. going to <laughs> yeah exactly that's, what, I, I that's how know, i read like, it i think i think you guys are trying to like not not see enough like yikes this this and what Yen's doing here like um because that or maybe we're a little sluttier i don't know <laughs> one or the other <laughs> like because we like you know we know from like well not this but like from book canon that like Yen, same as all sorceresses, is kind of bad at understanding consent mm. at times, and does charm mm. people with the intent of having sex I, I don't know if them. Yen does it specifically, True. but we, we know yeah. other characters. She does in the Bellatine episode, or story. Yen does it specifically in the in the Bellatine story. Oh, like, I don't remember that. That boy, when oh. Geralt finds them. Then, then uncharms him, and he walks away very confused as to what he was doing. Oh, so, dear. The thing is... But I think the show has done such a better job with has, so much other things that I has, don't... It has, but also, like, I am struggling not to read this entire thing as a bit yikes. Mm. I mean, it is a bit yikes, but I really... I mean, we can agree to disagree, but I just want to kind of lay my, my position out on the table, is that I think it is an intentional orgy slash chemsex party where they instantly sobered up and were just like, oh my god, what am I doing? Because they're sober. But... In that case, I don't even know why she needed to stop it so much. She could have, like, left the room and let it continue for all she cared. But then they might have gone on indefinitely. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's true. They yeah, exactly. Sometimes. I think she needs... Well, she's the, she's the minder, basically. The... And her bloody outfit in this scene is... Oh, my God. God. That outfit. Her lips. The mask. Oh, my oh, God. Dear. Oh yeah. dear. <laughs> That's going to be an awakening <laughs> for a lot of people. Okay, good. I'm going to be thirsting pretty hard in a second, so I'm glad we're both thirsting over this one, because dear like, lord. And... and I mean, we didn't talk about it, but the last scene with the close-up on her mm. lips... <sighs> my like, god. Oh, the casting of Yennefer. Oh, god. She's so mm. beautiful. Like, and... like she has a just perfect face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like the, the flirting that her and Geralt do yeah. as well. This, this sort of strange argumentative to and from and sort of, sort of, you know, playful hostility and slight Spotty. aggro is. And when she describes as signs as those little spells that you do, and with your hands. With your hands. And, oh, oh. Call it professional curiosity, and just like, and then when he replies, oh, uh, when we're finished here, I can indulge your curiosity all night long. And when she's like, your heartbeat is extraordinarily slow. It's, <laughs> it's... And she says that <laughs> from, like, staring at uh. him. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> she can literally hear his heartbeat. Yes, and then of course there's the uh, only uh, maintaining the temperature. There's another bath scene. <laughs> okay, well we're not even there yet. Um, I mean, oh, that's the other thing when when Geralt drops Yaskir yes. on the ground and walks up to her, she says, yes. "Oh, only a friend, I hope." And as well, she addresses him as White Wolf <laughs> rather than Butcher Blaviken. Yeah, because she's heard the songs, the famous White Wolf. There is a way to interpret the only <laughs> friend I hope that like I constantly think of every time that she says that, which is, are you saying because he's not very likely to survive at the current moment? Like, because... <laughs> oh, <laughs> Well, <laughs> she's already in flirt mode when she's saying no, that, though. I, I think that's I, very I much know, you two know, are together, but, right? Like, also, <laughs> also, like, Yaskir is not looking good at that precise moment. By the way, this is the this is the thing that I was gonna mention. Um, um, Geralt is not affected by the spell, um, like and nope. and that's because he's a witcher and and everything. 
Um, and that's an interesting thing because, like, obviously Yaskir is, like, not exactly in a state to, like, show if he's affected by it. But he doesn't look especially affected by it either. Although, once again, I don't yeah, that's know good how you would tell. There's got to be a degree of yeah. pain that grounds gonna, you away I, I, from I was just going to say, like, it, it, it's, I don't think it's, like, immediately, like, possible to tell. Like, to be fair at that point, because, like, <laughs> I'm not sure, I'm not sure how you would act simultaneously dying from bleeding out from your throat and horny. But, like, um, yeah. but also... Um, I love the scene where, like, he tries to wave. <laughs> He's, like, gasping and, like, flops his arm. <laughs> yeah, no, but see, to be fair, he does things like that. He waves and shit. And look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going yeah. to bring it back to our theory that that Yaskir is a half elf, but I'm going to bring it back to our theory that Yaskir is a half elf <laughs> uh, by by saying by uh, saying I think that like I've always felt bit quarter was more likely by, by saying that like in a lot of in a lot of fantasy settings, elves are harder to charm, including D and D rules in virtually every edition. Um, so. So that's yeah. all I'm saying. I think we have more evidence for the idea that, like, Yaskir is part elf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm, like, a completely bought in on Yaskir being part elf. <laughs> um, just before we move on from this scene, um, where sort of Yennefer dispels the magic with her word ragamuffin and everyone looks confused, I just do want to go back to just the actual aesthetic of the scene. Because I think, um, I, I know I keep making Game of Thrones comparisons and so we shouldn't really talk about Game of Thrones, but I think it's so different what the show is doing with the like sensuality and sexuality of the show than what Game of Thrones was doing. And I think it's worth calling out. because like, It doesn't our... feel crass. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it doesn't feel as like forced or clumsy or obnoxious as it was in Game of Thrones. It actually is kind of sexy in a sort of good, interesting way. Yeah. Like, you know, people are... Also, here's the thing it serves mm-hmm. a point it's telling like, us about yennefer a lot yeah. the, a lot of the gratuitous unnecessary nudity of game of thrones is gratuitous and unnecessary there is no point to it it is literally just there as a gimmick it does not serve like you know a plot purpose doesn't tell us anything about the characters you know like shit like that let, let alone all the, all the things like that like where Game of Thrones has gone, you know, completely off the rails with glorification of rape and so on. Like, mm-hmm. um, but here, it, that isn't the case, because yes, there is sex, but it it serves a point. Well, this is her day job. Yeah. It's probably literally what's paying her. <laughs> she's set up an orgy for I her mean, job, I mean, and she's just there kind of sex party and not just a weird violation of the consent of a quarter of the population of Rind. Um, <laughs> Which I'm still. She's charging admission. She's charging admission. I'm just saying. I think this is just her job. The thing is, is, though, like at least if you follow what's said in the book, the guard at the gate was not asking Geralt for admission money. He was asking for a bribe. Mm. Well, the thing is, if like nobody was like screaming or like clearly in shock, they were just a bit embarrassed. Yeah, I think that's what suggests it. Well, I mean, also at the same time, like you know. When you wake up in a completely unfamiliar post-coital, post-coital situation, like even if you don't like remember anything, your reaction is very frequently going to be like embarrassment rather than yeah. Well, context, context, but, context, always. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I. Okay, fair enough. This is just my reading, but I really 
do think that this yeah this is just so different from what they're doing in game of thrones not just because it's not super explicit like they're kind of all wearing these like weird ethereal clothes it's very balletic like a lot of them look like they might actually be ballet dancers like the, yeah. the extras yeah. mm-hmm. and, and the movement's not jagged it's and very clumsy. sensual it's very and very and um and, yeah. i would say female pleasure centric in a lot of cases um if you're sort of looking at what's happening in the background um, which doesn't get a lot of um, airtime on TV so or films. Um, so I just wanted to call that out once again for the sort of like, we've got a lot of sort of women creators working on the show and we've produced this sort of very interesting approach to visualizing um, sensuality. Yeah. That's that's right enough. Yeah. And then, <laughs> uh, then we've got, now we, we can move on to <laughs> the other bath scene. <laughs> and it's just continuing. The costume again, my God. She yes. somehow managed to get rid, rid of all of her makeup, but still has this astonishing b- bathrobe thing. Yeah. And she's got an enormous oh. bath, so she's clearly rich as fuck. And it's yeah. just... <laughs> God, this well, it's the mayor's house, she's just stolen Fine, it. Fine, but yeah, it isn't her house, <laughs> but like... <laughs> oh, true, true, true. Um. Oh, so but, yeah, so Jennifer has... If we go from... The... Worth saying, worth saying, there is at least one person whose consent is... Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. He's definitely enchanted, whatever, and that's definitely vengeance for like what's happened. Like it's actually quite funny how they've depi- how they depicted him as well because if I remember correctly in the short in the original short story, um, like he wasn't like you know this like typical aging town bureaucrat, but actually like you know this quite relatively like youngish, still handsome merchant, like um, and it was it was a more straightforward kind of he just fell for Yennefer yeah. kind of thing. I can't really remember that too well because I'm like so in love with the end of that story that that's all I really remember, which unfortunately is a little bit different from the end of the story. Yeah, yeah, like, but yeah. But um, at the start of the scene, we have that Yennefer is sort of told Geralt that Yasker is going to be fine and he's just in a deep healing sleep and that she's made him some new clothes, but she really needs him to take a bath because she can tell um, <laughs> not only the breed of horse but it's age and color yes. just from the smell which, which is a line <laughs> lifted from the short story which is kind of nice yeah straight from the book yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i loved his line that like i don't think i'd get any cleaner bathing in this house like he thinks he's being really clever and just like, <laughs> stink <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah but yeah you, you get sort of the bonding that they have you know what was it happy childhoods make mm-hmm. for dull company and all that sort of stuff. Oh, judging by your wrists and your wits, you must have had a yes. very happy childhood indeed. What's by the way, it's just a fucking insensitive thing to say, what? Geralt. What the fuck? Like... Well, she does call it. <laughs> no, are you serious? She's needling him about his trauma too. Oh, don't be so yeah, grim. Yeah, but by like, magic, she, our she, magic. She goes straight for the wrists. Jesus well, she, Christ. They do, she does say, you know, do women often find this coarseness charming or words to that effect yeah places where they find your coin very charming yeah. indeed it's, it's <laughs> fantastic what henry cavill's face does at this because he's actually grinning when he when she starts saying that line and then by the end he's just mm. not <laughs> like and like then then she suddenly tells him that she's actually not taking any payment which immediately gets Geralt suspicious mm. which you know because oh yeah Oh my gosh, the line that he had before when he's sort of like sitting back in the tub and she's still dressed and he's got sort of the leg up doing the very sexy Geralt thing. When he like looks at her and says, have I accidentally agreed to indentured servitude? The look on mm. his face is like, and that would be kind of fine, yeah. actually, maybe. <laughs> As well to speak to speak to what you were saying, it being a very female gazy episode, of course, you see him in the nip all but 
all but his todger but then when she gets undressed and goes to get in the bath she intentionally you know turns the mirror away so so he can't see her so that he can't gaze at her yeah so we get we are looking at Geralt from the camera is clearly from sort of a person attracted to men perspective and I mean he did not have to have his knee up and the whole thigh (laughs) on show thank you for this gift Lauren (laughs) um and um yeah and charlotte i guess charlotte brandstrom is the director <laughs> um so thank you lord and charlotte for this <laughs> gift <laughs> yeah. uh yeah so that's yeah a really good point about how yennefer yeah moves the mirror which i think that was there's something straight out of the book as well about her she makes herself invisible in the book doesn't she she does something so we can't see her what i think is interesting that we skipped over in the the bath scene is that much like Yasker, Yennefer calls Geralt out about his kind of bullshit excuse about the djinn and needing to sleep. Um, he, you know, so she's like, you know, what are you doing looking for a djinn? And uh, he's like, you know, insomnia. And she's like, well, I could have taken care of that and you didn't ask me. And, you know, he makes the excuse that, you know, Yasker's looming death jumped the queue. But, like, I think they're both trying to get... He tries to make the excuse that he couldn't afford her. But, like, you know, it's... Once again, Geralt just bull- Geralt's doing his bullshit. So my question like, for you guys is, do you think he was looking for the djinn so he could undo the child surprise? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's exactly what yeah, he was that's what I yeah. yeah. And he just won't admit yeah. it to anybody. No, like 100% yeah. that is exactly for Okay, good. All on the same page. Because, <laughs> I mean, there's no other reason because he was gets tormented by vision, no. by dreams yeah, about Yeah, exactly. Her, so he? he can sleep, but when he sleeps, it's dreams about Siri and dreams about abandoning there, his destiny. There is a and... fair question to ask about what he would have Well, that's why he only grabbed Yaskier after he made the first two. He really just wants the one, because he wants he, nothing he really, from life. He really just <laughs> wants the one, but like, I am curious about what he would have spent the other two on. Because, oh, would right. he wish to not be a witcher? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure he would, because uh, it's all um, he knows. Not, yeah, he hates being a witcher, but it's yeah. what he is. Like, and I self-loathing is his entire yeah. thing. <laughs> I, think, I think he would, like, really lose, like, how do I put this track of himself if he actually wished for that what i think he would have definitely wished for is um that oh, Renfrey had yeah that would be died. a good one that he could yeah. have saved Renfrey. um so i think that's yeah. one like or rather the second one and yeah i mean in the books it's heavily implied that like um the thought of wishing to not be a witcher actually does cross his mind we'll get to that later on but i feel like this this episode understated that moment a little bit yeah so we're back in the bedroom and um because you know Geralt's run up there something is amiss i guess and she's trying to capture the djinn uh... i mean it's the fact that she's refusing to take payment if he knows that sorcerers just yeah that's not how they roll see my note there is actually i was like he's angry and confused that she says his company and conversation is enough and i'm like is he mad that she's treating him like a sex worker (laughs) when he's happy to use sex workers himself or um but yeah no it's more likely he does seem a bit actually uncomfortable with being treated as a sex object you know, which I don't get the problem with if Yennefer of, Ye- of Wengerberg is treating me as a sex <laughs> Yeah, if Yennefer wants to treat me like a sex object, she absolutely yeah, can. Yeah, I, I have no fine. problem with Yennefer of Wengerberg treating me as a sex object. Um, like, <laughs> I, and I think, like, all of our listeners are like course, me. Speak- um, but... Speaking of her treating him like a sex object, of course, the outfit she's made for him is tight black uh, leather, so so which he remarks on. This Jesus is a little tight. <laughs> And oh, I think I've sized you up quite oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I really hate the rhyme there, just because it's so annoying. But like, 
yeah. Um, so back to the BDSM aesthetics with the skin tight black, leather, black yes. leather. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is, and this is also where we get his remorse. So we actually get him having some feelings. Yeah, we we see him expressing actual uh, feelings for like. Yeah, you know, he says, "I said some things to him." Uh, he said, and then Jennifer has to use the word yes, friend like his Geralt. I don't want can't. him to be the last thing to hear, even embers <laughs> or something. Can I, by the way, just say that like this is this is yeah. a tiny accidental plot hole because like they uh, because he accidentally actually there expresses a second wish and the GD for some reason. Well, he says, "I'd like it not to be the last thing he remembers." He doesn't. He's phrased it in a very weird way, and I'm wondering if the screenwriters did that like, intentionally. Yeah, there's enough wiggle room there. Yeah, but like I'm thinking about it, and I'm going like the difference between that phrasing only really works in English. Ah, it that's would true. Be phrased differently in, well, in, in a Slavic language. Yeah, but <laughs> just I think that's the screenwriters sort of wiggling around, like with using like most awkward phrasing they could to make it not be a direct yeah, request. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Like, and of course, although like. I do, I do think it's actually a missed opportunity because it would have been nice if that was oh, Geralt's first Yeah, switch, but then, yes, there probably wouldn't have had his throat. Yeah. No, he would have still had his throat attack. Oh, it's just like, the, the G would have gone true. away. Um, of course, yeah, his response is he won't remember yeah. much if he's dead. Which is just... <laughs> like, wait, wait, there, 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 like, there, is, there is a way to interpret it that as, like, you could, although, like, if it, not, if it wasn't for the fact where, like, Geralt cuts his wrist by accident with the with the genie seal, could interpret it as mm. his first wish, because later on Yaskir says, he always said that I had the most lovely singing voice. That's true. <laughs> I have I have thoughts, actually. I will wait till we get to that scene, but I have a lot to say about how Yaskir remembers yeah, this whole like, thing. Yeah. Uh, they, they keep flirting, though, yeah, this whole, they, like... They, like, aren't you satisfied? I'm not easily satisfied. Not stop. <laughs> Frankly, it's a bit. It's like I'd even say that it's a little bit corny when it gets to "I'm not easily satisfied." Calm down, Carol. I know you yeah, think you're clever, right. but calm down. I mean, sometimes, sometimes flirting can be as heavy-handed as that. Let's be honest. Sometimes you gotta just cut to the quick. Yes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Oh my gosh. Yes, but this is where he realizes that she's trying to trap the djinn. He's like, oh no, like, the container's broken, the djinn's gone, and the lights flare up, and she has the best line. Do you go on. Tell me how <laughs> stuff works. <laughs> Stop mansplaining to Jennifer. That. that is still the best line of the series. <laughs> like, honestly, Jennifer has so many brilliant lines, it's fantastic. Like, um, but tell me how stuff works is actually fantastic. Uh. Queen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then she conks the poor boy out. Yes. Yeah. Good old fashioned oh, yes, nap. Good old fashioned <laughs> old fashion nap. Uh, and then he wakes up in a cell. Or as Keredan puts it, where do you think? A spa. <laughs> <laughs> I love how sassy everyone in this episode like, is. I really, I really <laughs> hope that, like, you know, I know that, like, Keredan doesn't really appear in the books later on but like i honestly feel like that was always one of like sapkowski's more fucking wasted uh minor characters and i hope they bring him back because i fucking love him he's brilliant i was just saying so speaking of bdsm aesthetics now now not only is Geralt in tight black leather he's chained up in a dungeon subtle as a subtle as a crack of a whip really yeah there's a lot yeah. of BDSM aesthetics in this episode, Jesus Christ. And yeah, the poor fellas are set to be hung because Geralt has been about abusing the, the council members. And he, uh, yeah, it does mention he beat 
beat yeah, one of them on the back fully, side like, outside the shop. So that's uh takes out someone's trousers and hits them with their belt. <laughs> um yeah. So yeah, we we discovered that the elf also is enamored with Yen and they're both about to Oh my get gosh. The noose. And Creighton has this great line about Yennefer, um, when um Geralt's like, Oh well you didn't warn me and blah 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 and he's like, uh oh, well it's as if you thought a scorpion was prettier than a spider because of its lovely yeah. tail. Yeah. I love that line. It's very poetic. Speaking of uh BDSM aesthetics, the burly guard who's the mayor's plaything shows Can up. Can we both try to create um, BDSM aesthetics between says, the burly guard and Geralt, I think. I'm sorry, he says he says to Geralt I didn't know you were a witcher. I've always wanted to play <laughs> yeah, it's with not one. Particularly subtle. It's not subtle. I'm sorry. And besides, the guard, Jennifer says to the guard, like, I'm not, or says to the mayor after yeah, the guard, I'm, I'm not as burly as your usual companions. Like, the, it, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's there. This isn't me. I don't want it to be there. It's there. <laughs> not, not, not Geralt and the burly guard. Like, you know, okay, the mayor and the burly guard, fine. Jennifer and Geralt, fine. Like, you know, <laughs> But not Geralt in the Barley Guard. He's actually being beaten up. Let's not drag it's... this into it. Oh, no. I'm not. I'm not. That's later. I'm not, not saying that's Geralt that's has anything to do with it. But though he says, I've always wanted to play with one. Yeah, but then he exacts actual <laughs> violence on Geralt. Yes. I'm just, yeah, saying, later. I'm just saying it's the aesthetics. I'm not saying it's, it is. I'm just saying they borrowed the aesthetics and terminology. Look, in the next part of the scene, Geralt ends up on his hands and knees. <laughs> Again, in I'm pain, subject to actual violence. <laughs> I know, I'm, I'm not saying it is, I'm just saying they borrow the aesthetics. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's actually the next, yeah, next scene. The yeah, next one that, is Jennifer uh, and Yaskier. Um, before that, we have uh, Yen yeah. doing her spooky magic and trying to catch the um, djinn. Yes, it all picks goes. Up, doesn't he at this point? Yes, and he. Yes. And, and immediately, like, it goes to the normal assumption that you have when there's a naked person sitting at the head of your bed, which is, sorry that we are. Well, he... Make hand gestures. <laughs> yeah. And then she approaches him and he comes out with the. the no, like, the definitely do line. not butter that biscuit. Yes. <laughs> I have to go. I left my cat on the stove. <laughs> And then, of yep. course, starts singing and comes out with Oh Valley of Penis. Which... Oh, so a uh, fun story. He apparently improvised <laughs> that line. Which is real. <laughs> fantastic. Um... Just a lot going on in a very short amount of time. Yeah, so basically, Jennifer is basically trying to make him make his last wish so that and she, and she will be does, freed so and she'll she be does able interpret to... him saying, I really wish I was out of here as his final wish. Like, so he does get out of the house, which is when he cuts to Geralt making, a yes. guard, making the guard explode after he's beaten him up by performing his last second wish, rather. Uh, yes, I want you to burst, you son of a whore. Yeah. yeah. Yes, so then that's what they realize Geralt's like. Like, I really wish they had used the phrasing, the phrasing, I wish, rather than I want, because I want just feels, mm-hmm. like, uncomfortable. Like, but I, at the same time, who knows what... The grammar well, of I mean, common is like... The first wish all Geralt said was, I just want some fucking peace. But like, I yeah, want you to burst is like, not exact. It did feel weird. Grammatically, it felt very weird. Especially because he's like, any last words. He didn't say, you know, any last requests. He said any last words. It's just like weird. It was a bit of a weird... Like, the, the, yeah. the plain translation of the books was always kind of weird about that as well. Because if I remember correctly, it's like... Um, 
Well, it did the thing you could do at Lothlina, where it basically dropped the verb entirely, and was just like, you first, when, when like, the guy asks, any last, requ- any last requests? Question mark. Like, um, so, it's, it, it's just interesting that they established a specific grammar that needs to be used to express a wish, because, like... Well, but his last wish, he does, she says, you know, his last wish actually makes it in the next scene after Geralt realizes he's the one with the wishes. So Yennefer just like basically keeps shouting at him to make a wish. And he says, yeah, he does he say, I wish I very won. much to leave this place forever, doesn't he? But like that said, I really fucking loved when like the the guard did burst and Kiredan covered in blood, poor sod, like just like, just like goes like, <laughs> uh, oh, you're the one with the wishes. <laughs> That's a good bit of exposition. Yeah. Yes. Everything's kind of funnier and more entertaining when Kiri yeah. then says it. So, yes, good putting the exposition this is in his mouth. Like, <laughs> he just makes it more entertaining. <laughs> he really, he really he does. He just has like the best facial expressions. You'll see it later when he looks in through the window. Like it's just fantastic. <laughs> anyway, so um, we get back to the tower. Jaskier's escaped with Carol. About the door. And uh, yeah. yes. And yeah. Geralt comes up with, again, yeah. another revealing line. She saved your life, Jaskier. I can't let her die. Which reveals both his relationship to her. Sorry, his relationship to Jaskier and his relationship yeah, to Yeah, so Jaskier's line as well about leaving the, the very sexy but clearly insane <laughs> witch. <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that he's seen her for about two seconds because he wasn't really conscious most of the rest of the time. And still very sexy is the first thing he comes up with to describe her. I mean, I mean she's there. <laughs> That's about as long well, as you yes. want. Yes. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... No, uh, but like, the, so, so Geralt runs in, and, and, and of course, um, they have this entire thing where he tells her, like, you're not going to control the genie because turns out that I'm the one with the wishes and I've not made my last one. And, <laughs> and and he's too strong and he'll rip you oh, apart. Oh, I actually and... I actually have to go back to that last scene. I'm sorry, that's where I had something I really needed to to say. With the the the, the she saved your life, Yaskier. I can't let her die. Hmm. Um, what Yaskier says to him right before that is, I think, really telling about how much he remembers. He says to Geralt, "Do not tell me this is the moment you actually decided to actually care about someone <laughs> other than yourself," <laughs> which is like, whoa. One, that's brutal. Two, like Geralt spent this whole episode trying to trying to like save Yaskir from what he thinks Yaskir did to himself with the dumb wishes. He didn't realize at that point yet that he'd I don't think Yaskir fully understands anything that happened in the last day. So I don't think Yaskir remembers anything. I don't think so. I don't think he remembers Kiraden. I don't think he remembers Yennefer. I don't think he remembers anything. No, like, anything. this is the thing. Like, 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 uh, he doesn't know that, like, Geralt spent the whole day trying to save his life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> no, like, that is a thing. Uh, I mean, also, the, it's, it's harsh, but also, also, the but also to be totally fair, like, you know, uh, Geralt's been a bit of an arsehole to ask here, generally speaking. For, uh, like, a decade at this point, yeah, apparently. at least a decade. So, you know, like, I don't blame him. <laughs> Fair. Also, yeah, it is a There's terrible a time to start caring about someone other than yourself. Like he is right. Like he is correct. 
like from a, from a purely utilitarian standpoint <laughs> terrible idea to go back into that fucking house yes. oh i mean like, it really is but then Creighton's line here is so good as well he's like oh no i think we have something in common and he's like grabbing Geralt's arm and Geralt's just like you are making me uncomfortable <laughs> That one is actually the best line Geralt delivers in the entire series. I genuinely think so because yeah, like he really like embodies the discomfort as well. Henry Cavill is just really good at doing like discomfort and like general frustration. Yeah. So like this is this is the thing like where you know going forward you have the scene where like essentially he explain he rushes in explains to Yennefer that like um, he's the one with the wishes. She does the entire thing, but she also says that she, to, to him that she wants everything, uh, screams at him. Yes. Which is oh, and she... done fantastically, that bit, actually. To be Oh my god. And see, and this is something I actually think is really interesting, because like, people keep pointing out, like, oh, she's topless all the time, but like, this isn't sexy topless. This is like feral, like, magic-possessed, something straight out of the exorcist. Yeah, mm. yeah. And there's, there's also, the she comes up with a line, I think, in this scene, um, like, you seem to want to meet your end. It's like, as do you, is the yeah. retort. It's revealing it's both of their sort of, like, yeah, their ones. trauma and their sort of, like, cavalierness with being alive. Yeah. Oh, there's another line in, in, in here before, like, it goes really feral. He's like, he's like I'm here to help. And, and she's like, I, you know, I don't need your help. And he says, and yet here I am. Mm. Which is, like, such an echo of the, and yet here we are. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Like, because that is that is ultimately the thing that like unites them, which is that bo- they're they're both people who really need other people's help. Like objectively, they're not handling things well, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. but like they're in denial about that completely. Like they need, they yeah. need friends and they need yeah, love whole... and they need support. Yeah, I think it's important that Geralt basically had to echo Yaskier's words to be able to express like support yeah. and care. Yeah, yeah, like, and. This is the, the the only thing the only thing that I will complain about the scene is what we said. Like she starts when it goes when it goes really feral, she starts like listing off like you know things she could wish he could wish for with his last wish, and it doesn't quite have the significance it has in the short story where she straight up looks in his eyes and emphasizes the bit where she goes, "You could choose to not be a witcher." Here it's almost like an afterthought, like a kind of general idea that like she's throwing out there like it, it almost makes it actually sound like this is not actually something Geralt could want but just something that Yen thinks he could want like as like sort of in the mm-hmm. same like it is it, because it is say, it's said in the same breath and intonation as money and power and like other things that Geralt has no interest in whatsoever I mean he has a little bit of interest mm-hmm. in like money but like not for the sake of having wealth just for like you know surviving because like I mean the Witcher is a series about basically a freelancer on the fucking road. So, you know, like, um, <laughs> Molkov, Geralt of Rivia. Um, like, yeah. and, but actually, like, you know, at least in the book, it is implied that it is something he would have maybe consciously chosen if he actually had all three wishes accessible in a way that, mm-hmm. like, you know, you know, where he hadn't accidentally wasted two of them. Well, to be fair, the first one was yeah. not wasted. Was just perhaps not utilized in the best possible way. Um, <laughs> it certainly had an effect. That's all I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like, um, but um, the, this is the thing, right? Like, it, it would have been really nice to see that highlighted to emphasize that Geralt and Yennefer are really similar in the sense that they're both people who are trying to regain a choice that was stolen from them. 
or at least like well Geralt isn't trying absolutely. to but somewhere deep in his heart Geralt would maybe like to mm-hmm. I think like one of the things as well visually here that's like quite important is um you know when they finally do do the wish and the tower starts to collapse it's the um the amphor vanishing from Yen. Yes, yes. Um, you know, given the visuals mm-hmm. and the, the the theme of, you know, being a vessel, it just disappears from her. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I mean, like, you know, yeah. it's all, it's interesting both in a literal sense in the sense of, like, the genie has, like, you know, now having fulfilled all three wishes, it has overpowered her attempts to bottle it up and just escaped. But also, mm. um, at the same time, like, you know, it is meaningful from a metaphorical I think standpoint. it's really important mm. that you you brought it back to her her monologue about vessels and then you know Geralt saying she wants to be a vessel for the djinn and then yeah the the, the amphora vessel which is very quite uterine shaped yeah. in, mm. in that location not very subtle. Yeah. um crumbling away from her um sort of it's not just sort of oh the spell's gone it's like this whole concept of being a vessel is this show is kind wonderful of crumbling it's away. many things but not subtle <laughs> well, you don't have to be subtle when you're yeah, trying yeah, to do yeah. themes I and know, symbols. But it's not subtle. <laughs> no. <laughs> then we get. Um... And of course, I was going to say, of Sorry, course, we only on. get the whispery version of Geralt's wish because, much like the story, we never find out what it is. Um, though in this version, Yennefer doesn't find out what it is either. So we see Geralt like whispering his wish. Yeah, but he can't it, unless you're an expert yeah. reader. Yeah, I think he's actually just doing like rhubarb rhubarb oranges and lemons because then someone would be able to lip read it so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that then we get sort of the the denouement of this whole arc mm-hmm. which is uh yeah they awake in the basement and after some and yeah then we get the little tete-a-tete again between elf and yaskier looking very downbeat um with the roof yeah, and the mare running out and yeah and uh yeah Gasker is like it just says he doesn't know why Geralt went in there he just doesn't seem to yeah have any idea what's going on really and, and Kinnaden goes because she was magnificent it's magnificent yes and then and then they, then they portal into the floor below and start arguing and then definitely not arguing yeah <laughs> but yeah she's furious he stopped her and then I think it's quite sweet, actually, that the moment she turns from being, like, really angry to actually being able to kind of admit things weren't going well was when he looks at her and says, when did you last feel happy when you felt trapped? Like, I think she just feels Mm. really seen for a moment there. And, like, that's where she softens and admits her plan wasn't going well and it sort of transitions into them getting together. Yeah, and I think part it kind of speaks to what you were talking about as well, this sex scene, insofar as, you know, know, it starts off with, her on top of the hill top than her and you know there's no flouncing about she's immediately down to business <laughs> like she's got his equipment out and they're going at it it's just like functional spontaneous boom it's happening like it's not done sort of you know with her with all of her business out for the viewer it's just like look they're shagging now for sure so different in the story i mean in the in the show it's played sort of as sort of comedy like bickering to lovers it's got like the sort of like upbeat sort of like kind of jig type music going on in the background and we've yeah, got sort of remix <laughs> you know we'll finish we'll finish with the, the the show version before i say anything about the story i guess and Gaskier outside sort of mourning that uh you know he's gonna write Geralt the best song he's ever written sing it for the rest of his life and again because he doesn't remember anything that happened Geralt always said i had the most wonderful singing voice <laughs> comes up to him and goes they're fine 
like he just goes bullshit and like just like fucks over <laughs> bollocks. Oh, bollocks, <laughs> yeah. It's like they're alive. They're really alive. <laughs> he looks a little too into that, I gotta say. He was not willing to move away from like watching. No, Draven was... had to drag him away. Like, but like the thing is, they're they're even like you know even. If you if you ship what's the triangle ship name again? Garaskafer. Yeah. Even if you ship Garaskafer, you have to say that it did, did seem a little bit like I'm going to describe this in detail in the next ballad. Yeah, it, a little bit that, and a little <laughs> bit I'll be thinking about this later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very much an I'll be in my bunk moment. Uh, but they clearly had a nice time. Yen says to to Geraldo, oh, you know, you do know something of pleasure, even if it's I fleeting. Mean, yeah. Like, and this is like, it is worth mentioning one difference explicitly here between this and the short story, mm -hmm. and that's that in the short story, like in the short story, Yennefer knows what Geralt's yes, last wish was. Yes, whereas here he falls asleep and, and doesn't yes. tell her. And in the short story, Yennefer reacts to Geralt's last wish positively yeah she's like oh well i guess you're stuck with me basically i don't know how that kind of wish could ever be fulfilled but you've doomed yourself to being tied to me by destiny oh well yeah and i mean the way that the scene plays out in the story is a little bit different i mean we get it sort of played for sort of comedy here whereas i mean my gosh in the books she says okay here it is your wish she whispered her lips very near his ear i don't know whether such a wish could ever be fulfilled i don't know whether such a force there's such a force in nature that could fulfill such a wish but if there is then you've condemned yourself condemned yourself to me he interrupted her with a kiss an embrace a touch and then with everything his whole being his every thought his only thought everything 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 i mean my god <laughs> that is a very different yeah. scene um yeah i just had wanted to point out just how uh different it went in the story in the story it's very very sweet and very sort of genuine um rather than sort of played for kind of a laugh yeah yeah then we've got the the broccolon the final scene the closing scene um the the visual here is interesting because it's snowy outside the forest but within it it's a it's a rainforest and temperate and warm Mm -hmm. um, I think that they did that before too, like when um, Siri wandered into the forest, she oh, wandered yeah, through a snowy field, and then, see, like, so... Uh, this, the, like, this weird thing that, like, Broccolo is just much weirder, like, like, warmer than outside. Mm. And this is where, mm -hmm. where quote-unquote, yeah. Mousesack, or rather the Doppler pretending to be Mousesack, appears in Broccolo mm -hmm. and announces mm -hmm. that yeah. he's cut for Cirilla to take her to Geralt. This yes. is, like... I have to like I I do I do have a thought on this scene. You know like where like then she like you know also convinces Dara to mm -hmm. also go with them. Mm. Or he tries succeeds. to he, he agrees to go mm -hmm. go with them. Like um mm. because remember he will appear in like the next episode and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um and that 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 bit like is one of those things where like once again I just don't feel like the series storyline in the first season is even like written that well because like um dara's character keeps going through like you know these how do you put this like these these event horizons that end up meaning not much of anything because we know that like we will never see him again like eventually at the end of this season like um because mm. like um for instance he drinks the waters of broccoli which are meant to make him forget. Yeah, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem, seem really, really affected by them. It doesn't seem like like maybe he forgot his pain. But if so, that the effect of those waters is much less impressive than there is in the fucking books. Let me tell you that. Like, 
Um, and then now is the second time when that happens, which is like after he's basically like already decided that he found how do you put this something of a place for himself mm-hmm. here in Brocolon, and now he's just agreeing. Well, to I mean, the line she gives again. to him is like, you know, you have to come with me. We're we're family. Yeah. And it's just like he he does accept that sort of like unquestioningly though, and I just think that's sort of interesting. Well, because home for him, I guess, is having a family yeah. because he lost it. Yeah, like it's just like like it 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 feels at all times that like. Dara is not really, like, so much a dependent person in this, like, entire equation, so much as, like, Ciri's fucking squire, who goes around and, like, provides general sorts of assistance to her at times of need. It's also interesting, given, like, the differences that, once again, I'm sure we'll talk about in the short story episodes, between how, how this is played in terms of like how much Siri knows of Geralt compared to the to how much she knows of Geralt mm-hmm. in the books. How like it, it's it's interesting like her accepting to just go with Mousak because Mousak says so, like is as a very like, you know, h- like high vote of confidence and how much she trusts Mousak. Yeah, I mean he's been her mm. like uncle yeah. basically yeah, yeah, her yeah. whole life exactly. after and, her parents died. That's just like a very interesting mm-hmm. moment that Can I say re mouse sack is um i know i was saying like i love it when character actors are playing multiple characters and the way he rolls his eyes when he hugs siri is just so good it's just like the, betraying the like dog yeah i love it he's so good <laughs> like and this is the thing right yeah like because in the books to not spoil too much there are other motivating factors why she's going she's trying to find garrett right like mm-hmm. Um, uh, whereas in the way the show has played it, it really is mostly because she trusts her grandma and Bausak enough that she believes that they know what's best for her. Which mm-hmm. might be, is, is interesting because that's like that is the basically complete opposite of how her mother. Yeah, her yeah, life. that's true. Pavetta sort of yeah. intentionally yeah. sort of and, lived in a way that and I think that's Calanthe also reflected in the fact that like. Calanthe probably raised Siri in quite a different way from how she raised Pavetta. Yeah, I think, I mean, Siri was largely yeah, raised on yeah. Skellige, like, wasn't and... she? In the books, anyway. But hmm, To keep her kind of away from court and away from... Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so she forces... Well, not forces. She talks Dara into going with her, even though, objectively, yeah. an elf is probably much better off with the dryads. Um, and the last the last thing that sort of the, the, the dryad uh, says to her is that the burden of power can be painful. Be vigilant. Always ask the right questions. Your destiny is in your own hands and no one else's. Yeah. Farewell, special one. So we get that one last dig into the show's themes yeah, about what it means to be a girl who's special. Yeah. Starting with Renfrey and carrying on. Yeah, being oh, a girl who's special. It's great. not a great thing in this world. Mm-hmm. That sets us up nicely for... Yeah. Episode. So looking forward to that. Um... I thought it was really interesting having the way this episode is structured being so much different to all the other ones. Because we get, basically, we get series story at the start and the end, sandwiching because sort of a continuous, unbroken... Yennefer and Geralt timelines finally converge. Yes, and I think it's really interesting that, you know, we know that the thing that got Geralt in trouble was basically him trying to use, find a djinn to use it to wish to kind of rid him of the tie of destiny child surprise to siri but like the whole story is bookended on either side by 
Siri yeah. trying to find her destiny while he's trying yeah. to yeah. Oh, yeah. reject it. Yeah, that's true. And it's also really funny because, like, basically right from the first second, we know that, like, Geralt's not gonna succeed in, like, erasing that. Oh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's, it's one of the more really interesting episodes, I think. And also, at the same time, like, it is the first episode in the series where... Um, like you guys might disagree, but I, I I thought I still like prefer the original short story for of the last wish to the to the uh, TV show episode in a way I didn't really with like the previous ones because the previous episodes actually I I thought made some in pretty much all cases made some noticeable like slight changes or improvements that I actually thought made it made those stories better. Um, whereas whereas here. There's nothing mm. wrong with it, but I think maybe because the original short story was just so satisfying and self-contained, like, as a story. Yeah, I think maybe uh, yeah. you're comparing Apple's I mean, yes, yeah, so, yes, mm-hmm. but, like, uh, it's just because, like, the plot itself, even, for a lot of the other episodes, it is, like, comparing, like, Apple's and Oranges, but it's also, like, like maybe, like, the point of trying to make is that, like, some of the other stories like did not like essentially like lose anything of their value transferred into a different sort of medium whereas like the last mm. wish very much relied on like Geralt's internal monologuing and especially just like frankly like a lot of his fucking staring at Yennefer in various <laughs> circumstances like um yeah i think it might be a bit of an apples and oranges thing because i think the show tried to give us visually what it couldn't give us in terms of being in Geralt's head and sort of, because I, I get what you mean. In the stories, we're very much in Geralt's internal sort of monologue a lot of the time, and we can see how his feelings change from kind of the inside, yeah. which obviously isn't possible in a visual medium. So instead, what the show has done is give us like sort of layers of like sort of sensuality yeah. and to borrow a sort of film theory terms sort of like visual pleasure that because to replace sort of what we could get from the internal monologue um which isn't always going to one-to-one work but i do agree that just the one thing that i really miss is the way the ending was handled in terms of this is like the key moment in the books where like we see that Geralt and Yennefer you know belong together and, and it's like, to and be it's together. like established I mean, like incredibly powerfully right from the outset like in that short story in a way that like like mm-hmm. you know once you read it you go yeah i am not questioning this so uh with that we'll wrap up here and we look forward to you joining us next time when we discuss season one episode six rare species our music is medieval abstraction by lucas perny and milislav kolar and you can find us both on twitter and tumblr as at the witcher cast See you next time.